Hello, and welcome to HR Unplugged. In today's episode, Anita Grantham, Bamboo HR Head of HR, Alan Whitaker, Bamboo HR Head of AI, and Vanessa Brulot, Bamboo HR Human Resource Business Partner, discuss HR and the future of AI, what it means for HR leaders. By the end of the podcast, you will learn the current state of AI for HR, ways to use AI in your role to add efficiency, how we expect AI to impact HR in the future. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Welcome, everyone. Episode 28, HR and the future of AI, what it means for HR leaders. Tips and tricks for small HR teams, as always. Please visit us at hrunplugged.com, where you can sign up, subscribe to our series, leave us feedback, and watch all episodes in your favorite on-demand podcast format. Please subscribe, leave us a review, let us know what you want to hear more and less of. Most importantly, please join HR Heroes, our Slack community. You can network there. You can drop your LinkedIn in the chat, but get to know each other because that way, if you have specific questions about this topic or any topic, our whole community of heroes will rally around you and be there to support you and all the great work that you're doing out there. So with that, Let's go ahead and jump into an intro of AI, and I'll pass it over to our wonderful teammate here, Vanessa. Take us away. Thank you. We have an exciting guest for today for episode of HR Unplugged. I'd like to welcome Alan Whitaker, the head of AI at Bamboo HR. So welcome, Alan. Could you give our audience a quick introduction? It's great to be here. Yes. So, yeah, Alan Whitaker, as a uh, lifelong technologist, I've spent many years, you know, building business systems of, of all different types that, that process and make good use of data. And I've done that in, in companies large and small. Some of my favorite experiences include in my, a couple of my own startups. And so I love uh, growing businesses. I know many of you are guiding these, these growing businesses that are the lifeblood of our, our global economy. So awesome to to be with you. And, um, you know, it's it's also great to be here with HR because it's all about helping people. And I actually, even as a technologist, I have a theme in my career, which is that people and technology can work together symbiotically. And so when we talk about AI, when AI is done right, I think it acts in the mode as an expert friend or a co-pilot or a thought partner. And that's you know central to what I think is these are just tools for the people, and it's a great great partnership. Um, so that's a little bit about how I think about that. And yeah, I, I when I'm not working, I love to get out and travel light for for adventures in nature and and see new places and things and you know scale some slopes. So great to be with you. When you say scale slopes, are you referring to skiing or boarding? <laughs> I happen to be a snowboarder, um, but I also often I'm doing trail running or uh, backpacking and hiking and, you know, getting to new places with uh, with some of my family members and friends. Alan's a fantastic snowboarder. I love being on the slopes with Alan. I'm just trying to keep up. <laughs> the, uh, we love the powder load we received this this year. So that was great. Super grateful. Remind us, too, you've been working on AI at Bamboo since before AI was the AI we know today. And I think that'd be interesting to kind of share, you know, why Bamboo started investing in AI before it was hip. Sure. Yeah, you know, we we started three and a half years ago. And really, I 
I've always worked in adjacent areas and we didn't always call it AI. You know, I had a, a company I started that was data science and machine learning, you know, but those are different fields within AI. At Bamboo, we saw the need to be able to make better use of the, the data that we have and the data help our customers make better use of your data so that, that you can derive insights. And so it's, it started out with building, you know, additional data infrastructure and data foundation work, and then, you know, starting to build a team around research and development. And, and today we'll talk about large language models. We were into that, you know, very early on. So we're excited about some of the things we're, we're cultivating there. But uh, yeah, we just see a lot of need to, to harness data and algorithms to, to help out. And if, you know, you know, our mission of set people free to do great work. So that set free quotient is high with, with this kind of technology. Well, Alan, we are so happy to have you join us today. I'm excited to hear all of your insights on this really important topic and super interested to hear about your take on AI and what it means for HR folks. So let's get let's dive into this. I want to kick off today with a good foundation about what AI is. Alan, can you give us a little introduction to AI? Sure. You know, I think about AI as really about using code and data in, in algorithms, which is what we've always done in, in building software systems in, in, in a sense. But when we use it to emulate human-like behaviors, then we might think of that as AI, right? And we talk about, we kind of personify it. We say we built an AI, but it's just using code and data in these, in these algorithms. Now it happens that many new methods are, are emerging, right? And it's actually been evolving for 65 years since the, the phrase was coined and uh, through all different types of methods. Recently, I think though, we've seen the most interesting progress through generative AI, which, you know, if you, if you back up and look at what is it really, it, it, it's using um, neural networks and deep learning behind the scenes, but it's trained to fill in a blank and extend the sequence of symbols. Those symbols could be words, they could be pixels to form a picture. So whether we're generating text or pictures, um, music now, there's you know people people generating uh, songs that in the mode of their favorite artist, and it's impressive because it feels creative to us. And so we give it these prompts, and it can come back with a beautiful image, or it can write us a sonnet, or you know uh, work in our family members into a rap song or whatever. So whatever we ask it to do. And so people have had more direct experiences with AI over the last probably year and a half than, than really ever before. Um, even though AI pieces were, were fueling a lot of the world that we live in, I think more direct and approachable experiences. And it's fun. And if we consider large language models, in specifically, we'll talk a lot about those today, like those that power chat GPT, Right. So it, it helps us to be aware of their strengths and weaknesses. And we've been talking about these uh, here at Bamboo. Right. Anita, these uh, all the different aspects of these these tools. So I want to highlight a couple of those. They're really great at working with text to find themes, to generate new text, rephrase or reformat that can be used. They can also then be used to interact more conversationally when they're built into you know, bots and agents. And, and I think, I think chat bots have this reputation historically that that's, that's true that, you know, they were very, very simplistic, but 
we're starting to see that range of what they can do really, really open up. So they, they and like we talked about before, they can feel creative. So those are some of the strengths. But on the flip side, there, there's a few shortfalls. So their information is limited. Um, as you may be aware, they're typically trained on a bunch of public text, probably from a couple of years ago, you know, up through a certain moment in time. And so out of the box, they, they lack the most current or any private knowledge, right? They're just, they, if you were to ask who won the game last night or, you know, who reports to who in the organization, they're not going to know that out of the box. And there are methods that, that we work with to, to enhance that. But, but even worse than what they don't know is what they might come back and pretend like they know, which is they, they can actually, and the, the technical term in the industry is that they will hallucinate facts, right? So they'll make up information that's linguistically plausible because they're trained to just spew out this, you know, very uh, realistic language. And it happens most of the time it's, it has some accuracy to it, but they can make things up and then present it very confidently. And that's kind of the, the you know, one of the key challenges. They can also reflect biases that, that are found on the internet. So these are some of the weaknesses, and we'll talk about um, some of those as we get into use cases. But, you know, at, at times we might, we might overestimate what they can do. We may also underestimate how quickly they're evolving or, or what they can do, just depending on the context. One of our colleagues has recommended that we think of them not as a standalone mind, but as just a component we can use to build more intelligent systems. And I've found that to be true. So those are some of the strengths and weaknesses as we think about what is generative AI. Well, we've definitely seen how much AI is growing for nearly every industry. Anita, I know you have some stats on adoption for AI. Can you share those with us? Yeah, it's pretty interesting, Vanessa and Alan. It looks like that the global AI adoption rate stands at an encouraging 21% as more companies are recognizing the advantage of using AI to manage things in their workforce. In our prep call, we had a great discussion around what are they using it to manage exactly, and we're not really sure. I'm seeing a bunch of different ideas in the chat, but it seems like people are trying to figure out how to use it. And then the number of companies using SaaS large language models, APIs to access ChatGPT and other services has grown 1,310% between the end of November 2022 and the beginning of May 2023. I mean, it's just been so interesting. And I know I like using ChatGPT. It enables me, especially if I need to write something to the team um, about a concept or I want to start to generate some ideas about things, I'll often put it in there and see what it comes up with. And then maybe I'll, I'll use it to adapt it into my own voice. Um, but I love it to do job descriptions. I mean, really, that's been my biggest hack that I found most useful. Or also, if I'm just curious about what it scrapes for, like, you know, Alan, I'll put in what was what does the external environment say about employee engagement at Bamboo HR? And then it's interesting because you can get all of this information back and kind of just get a sense for things. So those are some ways I've used it. I'm sure I could be way more effective and Alan's been really great at helping us in tagging our EMPS results so we can get more thoughtful around that. So I'll, I'll let him share around that, but that I'm really excited for the future of more specific targeted ways we can use AI to increase speed and efficiency of our workflow in HR. 
Well, there was, I can't remember who said it. It was earlier in the chat and there's been some good combos from it. If somebody had said like, you have to be really thoughtful about the prompt that you give and you kind of have to mess around with it a little bit to get the right prompts. And somebody did ask in there if anybody has good prompts that they've used to create some of these different items to, to share tips and tricks. So uh, shameless plug in here. If y'all want to reconnect in the Slack channel later and share some tips with each other on the good mm -hmm. prompts, especially like creating those job descriptions, some of these other policies are different things before you add your flavor and take as a company like that's that'll be a good resource. Well, moving on to to our next section here, I think you both have done a really great job setting the stage for our audience on what AI is and how much it's been growing. I'd love to move to our next section and talk about the current state of AI for HR specifically. Alan, let's kick it off with you again. What is your opinion on the current state of AI for HR? Well, we're still we're still learning so much. It's in in many ways it's it's early days, right? But in other ways, we see so much interest and and signs of adoption. There was a, a survey that uh, recently talked about the uh, different things you could use it for, and the majority of HR leaders reported that they use it in various functions. So, like seventy seven percent said they they make use of it in payroll processing and benefits or 73% in, in recruitment and hiring. We just heard Anita talking about crafting job descriptions and, and postings. That's one I've heard commonly from, from some of our customers and those that I talk to as well. 72% um, say they use it for performance management. I'd be curious to learn more how people are thinking of you know, the use there. And is it, is it, you know, some of these are very surface level things like drafting of comments that we've, we've talked about or you know, helping you refine communications, which is fantastic, but but things can also go deeper in helping you maybe summarize or go find find information. Uh, another 69% talk about onboarding. So just lots of, of high percentage reaction of people saying they use it. I'd be curious for those here, you know, for you to chime in on areas where you are most active with with AI and, and how you're you're using it. Um, we also, in a different source, we saw that in terms of HR management and transforming how things work, that the global HRM leaders are adopting AI to drive transformations with 45% saying that they, they had incorporated AI for HRM. So as I've talked to our, our customers and, and you know lots of HR leaders out there, job descriptions, generating questions for interviews, um, there's lots of tech around resumes and matching skills better, you know, scanning them, you know, finding finding the right kinds of information. So we see a lot of those those uses and uh, we're thinking about a lot of things and interviewing people on on new things that can be done. But so we're, we're seeing a lot of a lot of progress and uptake. But again, I think it's still early. Well, Anita, what what do you see the current state of AI for HR as right now? What what have you seen in the last six months? Well, we're having uh, one I didn't mention that came up in the chat is for policy creation. That is really helpful, um, whether it's writing an AI policy or, you know, talking about different policies you might need. I also love it around you know, just kind of getting ideas. If I'm curious about something, like I want to put a prompt in and just but the exercise of putting in a prompt and seeing what you get back is really useful for how you write the prompt. So I encourage you just to play with it and practice it a little bit, I think is, is super useful. But 65% of our peers say that AI has had a positive impact 
on HR in their organizations, and it's increasing efficiency. So again, probably the biggest use cases are in the job descriptions and in the policy writing. And there's probably other areas I've seen performance management and trainings. I think using it for quick hit trainings is another good idea. But, um, you know, again, orientation programs, those are the things we're seeing it used for. But I think it could be so much more. Well, and it's, it's interesting. I, I love that you called out that there's so many different ways you can use it because somebody was even saying in here that they use it for travel itinerary. <laughs> I never even thought of using it for that. So I'm getting so many ideas. <laughs> I know we've talked a little bit about how HR is using AI, but I want to dig into the details about how it's really benefiting HR. It's not a scary thing and it can really help us as HR leaders and business partners in our organizations. Anita, let's start with you. How do you see AI as benefiting HR? Well, so I think it's a balance. I think we get, like if we take policy creation, for instance, we can get the framework and skeleton of a policy out of an AI tool, but then we need human eyes on the work to make sure it's accurate, it didn't hallucinate, it's in alignment with our values, right? We always talk about our framework of, hey, we've got values, we've got a mission, we've got a way that we work together. Like sometimes I just get nervous that AI is going to make us a little bit lazy. So let's make sure that we put our own human eyes on it to make sure that it stays in alignment with how we're thinking about the way we want to show up to our internal customers. You know, using prompts to create content is a practice that's seen so much growth in the last six months. OpenAI's research estimates that 80% of today's workers could see their jobs impacted by generative AI. So I always say to people, please get out there and use it. I saw a few of you say, hey, can you log in and show me how to use it? Just get in there and give it a go. Like you can use it for cooking or travel or something that seems more benign. But, you know, IBM really receives 8,000 resumes a day and is the most searched employer on Glassdoor for young people. They've developed an algorithm that it claims it can predict 95% accuracy whether a worker is planning to leave his or her job. So like here you go from writing policies to prediction of turnover. And those are the things that I'm getting most excited about. That's why I just encourage you to get in and use it and see where you can use it to increase your efficiency because so many of us are small teams. So not be using this tool is just like, you know, missing a great, um, you know, tool, tool in your tool chest. So get in and see how you can reduce your cost, right? McKenzie said that 27% of HR respondents said their AI adoption resulted in a cost reduction of less than 10%, while some are reporting an increase of revenue of 6 to 10%. Um, you can also use it for onboarding, which is an area, you know, we're really passionate about. So you can use it there to help new hires come up to speed more quickly. Um, but please know it can't, re it can't replace the human aspect of performance management and leadership. Use it to analyze long-term trends, but don't give the heart away with the tool. There was, there's a really great comment in here. I have to call it out. I, and I'm so sorry if I don't say your name correctly. Sied said, uh, I feel like it's more of a brainstorming tool or expansion of your own horizon. I feel like Tony Stark talking to Jarvis sometimes. <laughs> that was beautifully written. I just had to call that out. Uh, Anita, I think your insights are so valuable for everyone listening. I think a lot of people worry about how AI will take their jobs, but you've outlined so many ways AI can help us with our jobs. Alan, what are your thoughts on how AI can benefit HR? 
Well, there are so many different different ways, um, but I, I think about repetitive tasks and workflows, right? And things where we can reduce the tedium. So if if we're our screening and selection process can be streamlined with AI to help us better scan and, and analyze um, resumes that are out there. And again, as a co-pilot, not, not um, on its own, but determining qualified candidates, being able to help draft content. We've, we've hit on that a lot uh, in the chat and, and talking about this today, whether it's correspondence, you know, announcements for your company, policies. There's just a lot of, of writing and communication inherent in, in uh, working with people, right? So um, that's key. And I, I, I hit on this just a second ago, but I just I really think as we consider these use cases, we need to think of it as a co-pilot, not autopilot. And we each need to own what is produced. It's only us that can can catch the bias that that AI may not you know, see. It's just it's just generating. And if I understood one of the comments here I think Stephanie, you said we're talking about it like it is a thing. It isn't. It's it's not. Yeah, it is not a true entity, right? It doesn't it doesn't think, respond, et cetera. It's a bunch of bits that have been been uh, strung together to do do things. But just so happens that they can be very powerful. But we cannot leave them on their own. Leave leave the algorithms on their own to to do this, right? So we have this thought partnership that that it's not going to completely take over your job or responsibilities, but hopefully it allows you to spend more time focusing on the human side of things. Well, let's let's dig into the efficiency idea a little bit more. Anita, any thoughts on how AI can help HR with efficiency? Maybe a list, list of tasks that AI can help with? Yeah, so we've talked about a few already, um, writing job descriptions, generating interview questions. Like even though this sounds easy, it's a question I get a lot um, you know, I, I really like value-based interviewing questions. And if you don't have those as an organization, putting into chat GBT, hey, what are the best questions to interview a candidate around, you know, do the right thing and integrity and generating interview questions like that. Um, customizing team member training, um, automating onboarding tasks like verification of employee documents in and like onboarding training, administrative tasks, guiding, you know, you can guide employees and customers through chatbots, um, you know, be, being able to provide insights into the employee performance and candidate outreach. For example, using AI to find and engage with potential candidates, um, creating customized messages and communications for candidates. I mean, that's where I've used it a lot just to start with a base template. And then again, it's a co-pilot. We got a lot of a lot of good feedback, Alan, on the co-pilot versus autopilot. So make it in your own in your own voice. But those are some ways that I think that you can really get up to, you know, use it quickly. One of the questions that we've gotten twice here, Anita, and hopefully you can help with this, is how how does it verify documents? And is there an issue there with in, with, with it being insecure? So I think this is where you're not using the free version of the tool, Alan, right? You're using a tool that's leveraging large language models. So this would be a SaaS-based product that you're paying for that's using AI as part of your verification. So it's kind of um, it's kind of built on a platform with AI as an underpinning for it that helps using AI to do that verification in a secure environment. Is that accurate, Alan? 
Yes. And I'll add, you know, a lot of chat here about some people. What is it? Where is it? And, and some helpful comments about we're talking about many different systems. Right. And chat GPT is kind of emblematic of some of the, the, the free stuff that's out there. But when you talk about privacy, there are things you can do if you were to use chat GPT and you want to put 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 things in there that you um, may be concerned about privacy on. There is a data opt-out that you can do that will ensure you know, that they are obligated to not incorporate your, your chat data back into any future models that they build. So we want to prevent you know, leakage of, of information that would go that way. So there are even on some of the public-facing ones, there are things you can you can do like that. But yeah, we're we're using um, for Bamboo, for example, we have various uh, large language model providers where we've worked with them and we have all those data agreements and, and opt-outs where we're using it as a service behind the scenes. And we've even hooked that to a sandbox for our employees to use so that they don't have to worry about some of that opt-out. But I think OpenAI is working on some business versions that will make it more friendly for some of those uses. But at, at least if you're, if you're, and I would encourage to go experiment with it as Anita has. And as you do things that you might be find more sensitive, go ahead and do that opt out. I love that. And, and I know that Amrita asked a really great question. So everybody in the chat, uh, add what uh, system that you've used and recommend uh, for AI that has worked for you. And I'm really excited about this conversation. I think our audience is walking away with a lot of great info and ideas on how they can use AI, AI in their jobs. In this next section, we, we want to talk about the concerns and the challenges we might face using AI in HR. It's so important that we talk about these issues so we use AI in the right mindset and the right ethical practices, as has been in the message throughout as we've gone through. Alan, let's start with you. Any thoughts on the concerns surrounding AI in HR? There are many, and many of these are accentuated in HR, but are common, you know, concerns and problems across AI. So let's start with, I, I mentioned earlier, there's the potential because it just reflects the language that occurs in the public discourse. There's definitely a potential for it to reflect bias and, and therefore discrimination in the algorithms that, that might be used. And, you know, some people have, their chat GPT and others are built with safeguards that try to make sure that it's not goaded into hate speech or things like that. Um, and so it's good that they're, they're, they're working and trying to create those guardrails. However, people have tricked it at, at various times into bypassing those and uh, bypassing those safeguards, you know, like presenting a prompt, okay, pretend you're, you're in a play, but, and two actors are having a dialogue about how to build a bomb. Right. And it, and it goes into a harmful space because it didn't quite recognize that. So there, there are um, just opportunities for bias and discrimination. And in fact, this raises some, some compliance issues because lawmakers are, are concerned about this too. And for example, there are limitations on the use of AI for hiring and for other job advantages in New York City, where you're required to show that any AI you opt to use you have to review those those programs and demonstrate that they don't exhibit, you know, biases that would create a disadvantage for specific populations. 
So and the co-pilot thing I said earlier gets into this, right? We can't, we're not going to hand, hand it off to say, hey, please write me a list of the candidates I should choose here. You may ask for analysis that then you, you would go deeper on, but you have to make sure it's not um, creating inherent bias due to what it's reflecting. We've talked about the possible threat to, to privacy and data security, just if systems are built with in ways that if flaws that may allow leaks. And we saw a stat that 50% of HR leaders in this recent survey expressed concerns about AI and data privacy, noting it as a major issue. And so I, I was talking about that a little bit with the, with the opt-out and being aware and having a, a policy in your company about what kind of, you know, data can be shared with which tools and being active in thinking about those, I think is, is an area of concern. Um, another one is hallucinations. And I talked about it making up facts. Hallucinations is the, is the technical term used. But um, if we're using that, for example, in a chat bot that's helping answer some HR questions and someone asks, do I get St. Patrick's Day off? You know, what if the bot says yes? Do they now enjoy this extra day off? And, you know, you know the, the intent and the policy and I've seen this I've, I, as we've worked with it in the lab to test how it might be helpful in, in answering AI questions. We've seen some great answers, let me be clear, and, and by injecting a lot of policy context and guiding it, um, we see some great answers. And we saw some that are a little confused. We had one where we asked it to uh, about some holidays, you know, a holiday calendar. And because the policy information did not have an explicit holiday calendar, but it did reference some floating holiday accruals. We got this puzzling answer that said, yeah, our holidays are January 1st. Okay, that sounds right. April 1st, right? October, anyway, it went it, it went throughout the year and picked the, the quarter dates when those accruals will happen. So there's, uh, it, 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 it does not have generative AI, when I say it, the methods of generative AI are not built with, they don't, it does not create common sense. It creates this just, you know, magic language machine. And yet it turns out it is really useful as a piece of an overall system, but we have to be aware of what, what you know, checking the facts that it might present. Well, Anita, any thoughts to add to the concerns Alan just shared? Well, no, I mean, I, I totally love this. And I think Vita says it really well. Ch a chat GBT is a, um, is a parrot right? It can't feel. And it is like what Alan's taught me is it's very much like a robot. And so you have to know how and where to use it with strong oversight. So, I mean, I think one of the things that we've learned at Bamboo is you need to really help your team members know what you can use it for, what you can't, what is privacy. There's been a number of questions around what you, things you keep private. So anything, you know, in your organization that you wouldn't share with a competitor, you wouldn't share with your AI bot, right? So you want to be conscious about what you're putting into it and knowing that what it comes out with isn't always the case. It's just like, you know, when my mom does the Google and Google says that it's the way, it doesn't mean that that's necessarily the only information out there. So be dubious, be curious. And, and just make sure that you're really thinking about how and where you're using it and giving guidance to your team members about how and where they use it, especially in protecting your customer PII 
and, and those types of things. I mean, I think that's where nobody is doing malice, but sometimes people just don't know how to, and where to use it. And that's where we can get into hot water. Well, and, and one thing I'd want to add here too, is there's, there's many companies in like the recruiting process when they're hiring individuals, it's, you know, you want to hire those A players and sometimes you utilize platforms that have AI integrations, but you have to, when you're, when you're scoping these different platforms, make sure you're paying attention to the data set that they're pulling from and is the data set itself diverse and does it hold, does it give you truth? Um, I was talking to somebody in my network recently where they were scoping out a platform and they asked a lot of questions diving deeper into it and discovered that the data set they were pulling was creating a lot of bias and mm -hmm. would, would hurt their efforts in making sure they have um, a good diversity of thought in their workforce. And so just really paying attention, asking the right questions and diving deeper is really important. Were, were you able to share some of your, your statistics, Anita? No, I can jump in. Sorry, and share those. Um, you know, 42% of HR leaders believe that automation will eliminate jobs. Um, on the flip side, they believe that automation, 32% will create new jobs. So, like, I think there's a statistic out there for any side of the coin you want to push on. You know, 47% of HR professionals say that they're, the difficulty in integrating AI with existing systems is their biggest challenge, which I could see. You know, Alan, you probably know more about this than I do, but I think everybody's saying they're using AI. Are they really using it? How does it integrate with systems? And how do you choose which system you want to integrate it with? I mean, those those are like, would I pick a SaaS tool with AI over a SaaS tool without AI? You know, there's all these new things to be cognizant of when, when bringing on technology into the HR tech stack. There are, and it can be really confusing um, right now as many people are anxious to sprinkle and say, you know, oh yeah, this has this type of AI, or there's many new entrants that are that are building things. And so there's going to be a lot of, lot of activity. And that's why I think understanding more of uh, how it works and, and these trade-offs and, and experimenting, having that sense as you evaluate things, you can see, okay, is this a type of AI application that I find helpful and that, that I think um, will add to my technology stack as I go. Yeah, on that note, Jesus has had so many great comments in here and he's curious, what will this mean for the Bamboo HR roadmap? I didn't know if you wanted to give any insights, Alan, into what you're working on for Bamboo specifically. We are working on a lot of different things that uh, you know are, are not yet announced, but we are going in our customer day in October. We're planning to show uh, some of those things that some that that uh, you know are, are rolling out and some previews of other things. Um, a lot of it has to do with uh, a couple things I'll tease. So one is um, you know think about all of the feedback that you can get from your employees. Like in in Bamboo, you can use our ENPS survey and do an employee net promoter score. Um, and get a lot of comments and linguistic data with that. And uh, Anita mentioned earlier, in our own surveys, we've been using uh, generative AI to help us, not as a replacement, again, a co-pilot, right? But because we still go and read the comments, but as a way to help synthesize the themes and topics and um, what, what uh, things people are raising that they love, what things are they raising that they may uh, make suggestions about. So that's, that's one area of interest is certainly helping interpret employee feedback. 
there are also lots of applications I mentioned earlier being more conversational. And I just think there are lots of ways that we can make it more natural to interact with all of this information that's in your HR information system, whether it's quantitative stuff and, and, and you know, data and stats, or whether it's uh, linguistic and answering policy questions and things like that. So those there are many elements on the roadmap that are both at a feature level like that, but also in terms of base capabilities that we're building. We really think of our AI team as a platform team that's building different parts of our platform. We're helping educate our internal workforce on using it more. So stay tuned and tune in at, at Customer Day and other places. But yeah, there'll be a lot more as we as we continue on. Well, thanks, Alan. I do have to answer, Bob. Yes, we are real people. <laughs> are you sure? If if I was AI produced, my hair would look a lot better. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> All right. So for our last section, I want to talk about the future. How can we expect AI to impact HR in the future? Anita? Are we in the future? I don't know. I need the Arnold Schwarzenegger voice here, I think. I mean, 92% of HR leaders are intending to increase their AI use. So I think if you're working on a team, you know, just plan on this is coming. Don't fight it. Um, it seems like the majority want to increase it in performance management. I am not really sure of how that use case works. Alan, I'm not sure if you have some ideas. I would love to like hear more because I think there's ways to make it simpler, um, but I'm not sure how. Um, so I, I see it more and more in the in the recruiting front, maybe more in the you know later on in performance. But the future of AI is expected to grow tremendously just in this next year. Like for instance, 60% um, of global 2000 businesses will deploy AI and machine learning tools to support the entire employee lifecycle experience. Um, you know, here it is, they're going to enable it to hire, fire and train employees. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I think these statistics are a little bit overwhelming because it's talking about it in such a macro sense. I don't really know what it means. So I would also just just be cognizant to all these big statistics that you see out there. You know, I think probably in recruiting, onboarding and leveraging the data outside of your system of record would be the things that I'll be most excited about seeing in the first year here. I might chime in, uh, Anita, as you, you mentioned on performance management, just thinking about some potential applications. And I've heard, I've heard of individuals and half jokingly say, well, I just use it to write, you know, my employees' performance reviews. And, you know, obviously, if it were just to hallucinate a bunch of stuff, that, that wouldn't be what you want. But they, what they might mean is, you know, they provide some key points and then they may ask it to um, help craft that into to something. Stephanie in the chat talks about, um, you know, the, being uh, how to phrase performance feedback. So, yeah, you could have potentially style guides that would help you. And so whether it's helping you draft or maybe helping you assess um, how different phrases may come across. I think about in a similar way, job postings, right? Are they is this being written in a way that is uh, going to be very inclusive in terms of who's encouraged to apply and things like that? So. There could be that type of linguistic interpretation. Another one might be if you were collecting lots of uh, feedback from uh, peers and doing you know, like 360 reviews, could it help you as the manager reading those to keep track of and help synthesize 
common themes that you see across those, right? And could it, again, we don't want it to be this replacement, a shortcut where all of a sudden a bunch of AI tools are managing all the people, um, but but can it help you to to find and synthesize those and move more more confidently and quickly um, in that space? So just a couple thoughts on on the performance, but yeah, I'm curious to see what, there are a lot of obviously creative HR pros out there, a lot of creative vendors. And so we'll see a lot of interesting stuff in, in each of these areas. But like you, I'm not sure exactly what people are doing right now in that one. Well, thank you both so much. I personally have learned quite a bit from the both of you, but also from this chat. I think we've got a lot of friends in different places. I know we didn't give you the cha-cha slide, but that might be a good thing. And <laughs> we appreciate all the fun engagement interaction there. So, and thank you again so much, Alan, for being our guest for today. It's been so much fun to learn from you as the expert in this field. Before we wrap up, let's open it up for some conversations with the audience, uh, with some Q&A seed questions that we've gotten. I know if we, we head over to our, our Q&A list, we've got a ton of really great questions that we've pinned there. And I don't know if any of you had saw, either of you had saw, seen one. Wow, words are hard today. Seen one that really stood out to you that you'd like to, to answer. It looks like there's a lot of thumbs up. Wow, I'm liking this Q&A poll. Alan, can you recommend an AI course or certificate program? That seems to be the highest rated here. Yeah, I, I can comment a little bit. And the ones... Uh, the ones that I have focused on and with with our team may get into the, you know certain technical aspects, but but they're also quite approachable. So like deep learning AI has several courses. There's a prompt engineering course that I think is is quite approachable that anyone could go through. And so prompt engineering is this idea of how do you interview a large language model and get the type of results that you want. And even though that course is given more from a context of if you were to be using it to build systems, perhaps, I think anyone could could benefit from that and, and take some time in there. I haven't looked at a lot of generalized courses. I know there's a lot out there. Um, so, but that deep learning AI is one that I think about. Deep learning AI, I'm just putting that into the answer here um, so everybody can see it. And if all of you have, have, if any of you can answer this question too and have done other things, Alan and I and Vanessa would love to hear Lots of lots of good questions. I thought this was interesting. We didn't talk about this. I have not seen it. Does ChatGPT ever provide the source of its info, or how do you get a citation, Alan? That was a. I, I love that question, Don. So, it um, they do not typically um, provide it just in the normal um, chat, but there is a line of research called uh, where they talk about chain of reasoning. And so you can ask it to, you can actually prompt it in a way where you say, we'll explain your steps. Or if you do prompt it and say, tell us where you got this, it may very well bring something about. The problem is if it's just using this old internet data to make, make up language, it may not explicitly be pulling from one source. Usually when you're pulling from a source, it's a different method called retrieval augmented generation. And that's something that, that we use, for example, when we're building the ability to answer a policy question, we would actually take the user's question 
go out to a what's called a semantic index, but basically a way of storing all your policy documentation and pull the most relevant pieces and then and then pull out a portion of that and give it to the, the large language model in formulating the response. So we'll say the user has this question. Here's the most related content from our policies. Please answer the question and provide citations. When we do that, we, we, we were able to code in this idea of, of citations. And, and then, so in the answer, we say, you know, here's an answer, but you can check the, the policy here and have a link. So that's something we're thinking about and using, but I'd say these public engines aren't doing it by default, but there's a lot of thought going into how can we have more reliable and kind of citation-based uh, things. If you give it math problems, it used to be just horrible at those. GPT-4 has evolved and it's gotten pretty good at certain kinds and you can ask it to leave a chain of the steps. It does pretty well. Um, people have even done math proofs um, with it. So yeah, homework authenticity is, is at risk as is potentially applicant stuff. Someone pointed that out in the chat, I think early on in the, in the day. Well, good. I'm going to use this for my fifth graders divisional fractions that I've been watching YouTube videos for. I'm going to go to chat GBT instead now, Alan. I didn't think about that as a tool. <laughs> hopefully it gets it right. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. Well, there's, there's one last question that I wanted to, to make sure it got asked was by Courtney Murphy earlier in the conversation. If we have to check AI's work, aren't we just making more work for ourselves instead of making it easier? I'm coming at this with zero AI knowledge and I'm very skeptical of this type of technology. So I have to be the one asking these questions. If it's supposed to be faster than Googling because you don't have to, to sift, but since it's so new, we still need to make sure the info is correct and unbiased. So truly, what's the point of using it? Uh, so we have time to do more. Isn't doing more part of one of the big issues in today's workplace? And so I just I wanted to help Courtney out with this question because I think anybody that doesn't have a lot of experience with AI, uh, I'd love to get any pointers for Courtney if you've got any. I do have some thoughts there. I think it's a great question, Courtney, and and a lot of a lot of truth to it. So there are ways of using it that are probably more productive than others. You know, for example, it, you, can, you can provide some information and say, please rephrase this in a more friendly style, right? Or help me write this job description. I really like this one and, and this one. And so when you do, and when you read that, you're not asking it to go out and, and you know, plow a lot of new ground or, or be this kind of divergent thinking thing, right? It's where it's making up a lot of stuff. You're asking it to help you in a more convergent task way where you're guiding it. And I think that's where right now it feels more productive and safe. You do, yeah, and it's it's not, I don't think it's a general Google replacement, but people are building modes. Uh, today it's not. People are building modes where it will go out and do the web search, inject that content, and then interact in a more natural way. If it brings those citations with it, like we were talking about, it will make it easier for you to also, you know, check that. But also, just because there's a citation on the internet, we all know that's, you know, that's that's um, doesn't mean a lot. So someone in the in the midst of all this has talked about, just like there are zero trust security policies, are we reaching a world where there's mm -hmm. zero trust information? Right. And and how do I know the sources of that? So we're going to have to be uh, as as humans and, and weighing evidence. 
we're going to have to be more heads up than before. So in some ways, it does create new work in those. But if you can give it those very guided tasks, I think it can still save work. Um, you know, talking about interpreting uh, employee feedback and finding the themes, we want to use that not in a way where you just read the theme and then ignore the comments, but where it guides you into noticing and, and seeing comments in groups and seeing those original sources, those original citations. So yeah, it's gonna take work for it to be um, effective in a broader set of things. So yeah, great question. Well, Anita, do you wanna take us through the t three takeaways for today's combo? Yes, I do. So AI usage is growing and you can expect to be a part of your future. So I get that it's new, then it's scary, and and let's let's get in it together and learn from each other. Second takeaway is AI can help HR with manual tasks, adding efficiency and speed in some areas, like we talked about. Not all areas, but some areas you can definitely increase your efficiency. And AI cannot replace the human touch and heart that's needed for so many of our human responsibilities. So make sure you blend machine and heart together to get the best outcomes as you go through and learn more about AI. Super grateful, Alan, that you could join and share your wonderful expertise with our beautiful community. Vanessa, thank you for your guidance in this conversation as always. Please sign up at hrunplugged.com. Please subscribe to our series and know that you can get into our HR Heroes community to continue to network and ask questions about all the great work that you're doing. Thank you so much for creating great places for people to work and thrive. Alan, thank you so much for joining us. And Vanessa, thank you too. Have a super day, everybody. Thanks for joining us for HR Unplugged. This series is brought to you by Bambi HR. Visit us at bambuhr.com slash HR unplugged for video versions of the podcast, additional resources, and to learn more about how Bambi HR sets people free to do great work. 